Welcome to Lakeland Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Lakeland, please visit our website at lakeland.church. Welcome to everyone joining us online as well as everyone in VR. Glad to have you with us today. We continue in our series, The Goat, looking at Jesus' greatest of all time sermon, Sermon on the Mount. And um, I'm excited about what we're like. I love how Paul said it. Jesus doesn't mince words. He says some hard things, and so we're just kind of plowing through this thing and dealing with the next subject. Let me start by asking you kind of this question. Have you ever been ripped off in life? Anyone? Ever been treated unfairly? Mm-hmm. Probably almost all of us. I remember a handful of years, uh, years ago, it was probably six, seven years ago, my daughter, one of my daughters, wanted to get her first phone. And so we went to a store at that time who was running a deal, you know, that would go with our provider um, on a, you know, specific phone. So we go on up there, we, we, we get the phone, we pull it out, you know, that type of thing. And uh, the workers at the store, they're like, they're going to activate it, you know, to get it on our account. And one of the workers, you know, some... Young teenager. (laughs) Accidentally, didn't just add it to our account, they started a whole new account. And so an entirely separate, you know, account for, you know, for, for the phone line and that type of thing. And uh, we caught it right away. And so we had to get a manager and get the manager on over. And then we had to call our provider. So we're, on, we're at this store for literally hours on the phone, making sure that that account that got started and opened is closed right away and that type of thing. And we're not going to get charged, blah, 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 all that. We go home. She's using her phone. Of course, it's working. Everything's great. Blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, you know, most of your bills are kind of like automatic pay. It's just kind of being taken care of. So years go by. Years go by. One day, I, I forget how I came across it. I, I opened up, I think, a, a bill, a paper bill. Like, I had never opened it. I was like, ah, I just wonder what's in the bill, you know, for, for our phone company. I opened it up, and I look, and, I, and there's this, it's, it's for an account, for a phone line and a number that I have no idea what it is. I'm like, I've never even seen that number before. And so I, I, t- I asked my wife, I was like, what is this? Do you have any idea? She's like, I don't know what it is. And I, I was like, well, I mean, we've had it. It's, we're paying this bill. We'll come to find out that was the phone line and number that we opened years before that we had been paying on for years at this point. And so, literally, I start doing a little bit of the math. I start figuring it all out. And we figure out the thousands of dollars that we've spent on a phone line that has never made a single phone call, never made a single text message, and has never been used once. And so, I call up our phone provider. I was like, hey, funny story. (laughs) You guys made a mistake. Which was kind of funny because then they, the the phone, the, the, the conversation always went the same way where they're like, hold on. You've been paying for a phone line for years and you didn't know it? I was like, you got to understand. I got so many kids and so many phone lines. I have no idea what's happening or what I'm spending money on at this point. And so, like, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, but you owe me money. Like, clearly, you can see there's never been a phone call made. There's never been a text message. There's never, like, and so I start the process of, like, hey, I want to be reimbursed my thousands of dollars for something I've never used that was really your fault that I even had a claim number that you guys closed three years ago. So I had all that, put it all in. They're like, yeah, we submitted your claim. You should hear from us. Anyhow, months go by. 
gets rejected. I read, I hop on the phone call. After at least 24, 36 hours on the phone with our provider, fighting, 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 fighting. One day, all of a sudden, I get a, a, a letter in the mail, and in it is a little Visa gift card, and it says, we will consider the account or, you know, and the claim closed. Here is your, you know, what we're giving you for it. Four dollars and change. I, I literally, I'm pretty sure I took it. I just threw it right in the trash. And I was like, oh, I'm never going to see those thousands of dollars back. But I, was, I remember I was like, after I was like, oh, this is so unfair. It wasn't my fault. Teenager at the store. Like all these different things are just getting, uh, I was getting so fired up that it was just, un, I don't know, it felt so, like I was just ripped off. And, um, and here's the, the deal. Like, I don't know if you've ever felt that way. Is it really easy to love people or organizations or businesses when you feel like you've just been ripped off or treated unfairly? No, it's like, oh, it's just so frustrating. Here's really the big question that we're going to go after today is how are we supposed to handle things when life's not fair? Or, or when, how are we supposed to treat people when they treat us unfairly or poorly? Well, surely the answer is to get mad and get even, right? No. <laughs> No, is that, is that what Jesus is going to tell us to do? Well, let's check it out. Matthew chapter 5, we're continuing in the Sermon on the Mount. Verse 38, Jesus says this. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Get mad, get even. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So he starts with this statement. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Where in the world does that even come from? Well, it actually comes out of the Old Testament law. So it's actually scripture. It's from God. It's to the people of Israel. It's quoted multiple times in the Old Testament. Here's just one of those times, Exodus chapter 21, verse 23, where he's talking about um, this is an injury and it's purposeful. So there's some type of attack that took place. And if this happens, if there's a serious injury, you are to take a life for a life, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Okay? And so this is what it comes from out of this Old Testament law where God really is establishing out of the Old Testament just right and wrong and justice that's associated. Which, by the way, our kids naturally rule at. They totally get this idea of fairness. I hear it all the time when it's like, hey, why are you being mean to your sibling? They were mean first. You know, like, why'd you hit them? They hit me first. Why'd you break their Legos? They broke mine first. Or even doing something that, like, they shouldn't be doing, like, why are you eating ice cream in the middle of the day? They are. Why are you, you know, playing with electronics when you're not supposed to be? They are. You know, it's all this, like, if they understand fairness and justice, and they want it, right? That's almost like hardwired into us. And so when it comes to getting even, we instinctively want things to be fair. And Jesus is going to address when life's not fair. Like, how are we to respond? And what Jesus is going to do here in the Sermon on the Mount is he's going to raise the bar around this whole idea of justice and fairness to this attribute and to the level of what we refer to as grace. He's going to introduce an idea of living graciously. 
Now, his first couple examples are actually legal matters. The first one sounds like a physical matter, like if someone slaps you, but that was actually a Jewish legal matter. If someone slapped you, you actually had the right legally to find them. So that's a, that's a legal matter. And then is suing you for your shirt, that's obviously a legal matter. And so what Jesus is doing here is he's, he's calling out what are legal matters what you, where you could take someone to court and how you would deal with that. And here's what Jesus does. Even on that suing you for a shirt, Jesus breaks like all of the rules. He even breaks what would be considered common Jewish rules around this. He says, if someone tries to sue you for your shirt, give them your cloak or your coat as well. Here's why this is breaking all the rules. In Jewish culture, you actually, it was the one thing you couldn't sue someone for, was their cloak. And the reason why is that, yeah, it was valuable, but more importantly, in, in Israel, it, at night, the temps drop down and it gets cold and your cloak was something that everyone considered to be necessary to survive. So it's, it was legally, you couldn't actually sue someone for that one item because what you're doing is you're saying, I might actually end up taking this person's life if I take that item from them. And so what, what is Jesus doing here? Why is he breaking all the rules? And the principle here, it's not just about avoiding lawsuits or just being the martyr in all situations. That's not what Jesus is doing. He's raising the bar, and here's what it's all about. He's raising the bar to a radical, unselfish attitude about one's rights and property. This radical, unselfish attitude about one's rights or one's property. Isn't that us today? <laughs> it's really quiet in here. <laughs> no, like, culture screams the exact opposite. E equal rights has always been a hot topic. It might even be hotter today than even years ago, where everyone's like, I just want to make sure everyone has equal rights all the way across the board. People are fighting tooth and nail for fairness around one's rights and one's property. And Jesus is saying, as Christ followers, we view this actually through the lens of radical unselfishness. Now, why in the world would we do that? Well, he's actually going to answer that, and we'll get to it, okay? We'll answer that in just a bit, okay? But then, Jesus is going to talk about forcing someone to go one, uh, who asks you or forces you to go one mile, to go two miles with him. What's that about? I talked about it actually a few weeks ago. There was actually a law, a Roman law in that day and age, that a Roman guard or soldier could come up to anyone who was a Jew and basically force you to carry their stuff up to a mile. So if, I, if I'm bringing home groceries, I'm a Roman soldier, I come up to you, I'd be like, hey, you carry my groceries. And you legally had to carry it at least a mile. Beyond that, you could drop the groceries and say, carry your own stinking groceries home, you know? But up to that point, you just kind of had to do it. And he goes, if someone forces you to go one, I tell you what you need to do, actually just go a second one. You're like, whoa, why? Because he's raising the bar, radical unselfishness. Radical unselfishness. And so this is what he's doing. And then once again, uh, the final statement, he says, give to anyone who asks. If someone wants to borrow something, just give it freely. How, how many of you love just lending out your stuff? <laughs> some, some of you are like, I don't mind at all. And others are like really protected. Maybe, maybe it's this. How many of you love lending out something that's brand new to you? You see this all the time with kids, you know, they open a new gift and like they, they want it and, and a kid comes by and they're like, can I try? And they're like, no. Now like in two years, they'll be like, whatever, you can play with it. You know, but in, on day one, like don't touch my new thing. That type of thing. I remember this years ago, I got a, it was 
my first snowboard I had ever bought. I was in college at the time, you know, forked out real money for it. It was like expensive. And uh, I remember I went uh, snowboarding for a weekend and I was, was with a couple friends and one guy said, hey man, can I borrow your board? I know. You like how I'm just making them like cocky and stupid? Okay. Anyhow, I, I was like, sure, man. It's like brand new. Take it easy. Like it's no scratches. It's perfect shape, that type of thing. He's out on it for a couple hours. He brings it back. He's like, hey, man, little problem, dude. You're like, I'm just making him from California now. Um, <laughs> I think he was from California, so <laughs> it's okay. He's like, uh... All your main ratchet straps, they all broke. Kid you not. They were like more expensive and apparently more expensive actually not made as well as like all the standard ones. But, and they probably would have broken on me as well, probably within the first week. But he broke them after I lent it to him. And I was like, oh, boy, how I just love lending out my stuff. You know, it's like, it just hurts. But what Jesus literally is doing is like, hey, I just want you to just have this, this radical unselfishness around your property, about your rights, about just how you, how you treat other people. This unbelievable, radical grace and kindness that's just over the top. Now, why in the world is Jesus pushing this? Why is he raising the bar to this kingdom value of grace to such a level? So all of it's grace-oriented. Think about it. Grace to the person who hit you. Grace to the person who's suing you. Grace to the person who's forcing you to work hard. Grace to the person who needs something from you. And this grace might feel like you're just allowing yourself to kind of be treated like a, a doormat. Walked all over. Why is Jesus doing this? And the answer really comes in the next verses that Jesus is going to kind of lean into. He's going to shift, ready, from the what to the who. The, from the what of what's unfair to the who that might mistreat you. Okay, check it out. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Pause. Where in the world does that come from? For them, this is actually, actually isn't Old Testament law. This was considered the Old Testament oral tradition. What happened is over time, rabbis would start making statements just kind of over the years, and it almost became equal to Old Testament law, where a rabbi would make a statement, everyone would be like, that's a good statement. And this kind of makes sense. Like, if someone's a jerk, it's okay to hate them. And people are like, that sounds logical. We'll go with that. And it became literally oral tradition that people accepted. So, love your neighbor, hate your enemies. People are like, that's natural. Love people who, who you really love. And if people are against you, it's okay to, like, be against them. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What? Jesus is, once again, he's raising this bar. He's kind of going to a whole new level. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. Notice what he's doing. He's literally saying, listen, if you want to know how the children of God behave, think, and, and act, how they love, they're going to love those who actually hate them. Next slide. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And he's saying, listen, the reason why you love like this is because God loves like this. He sends rain for everyone. He doesn't like give it just to the good people and withhold it from the bad. He gives it to all, okay? If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Now, when he throws out tax collectors, if you've been around, you, you know this is that tax collectors are like the worst of the worst. Everyone hated them. And so he's going, listen, if you love those who love you and hate those who hate you, you're 
You really, tax collectors pull that one off and they're all like, ooh, burn. Okay, <laughs> trying to raise the bar. And if you greet only your own people, man, this could have been written in 2023. We love to love our own people. You want to know what happens even on your social media feeds? It gets filled with people that you love to love. It does. You, you, you select, you know, like, these are things I like to read about. These are the articles I'm interested in. This is my, my political bent in life. And all of a sudden, everything starts funneling to that same type of messaging, the same group of people. And all of a sudden, we greet only our own people. What are you, what are you doing more than others? And then he goes on, he says, hey, all the pagans do that. All those who worship false gods do that. Now, Jesus, whoa, not mincing words. Be perfect. Can't, can't you just all do that? <laughs> as your heavenly father is perfect. Now, the, the Greek word that gets translated as perfect, I know that sounds really strong and, and pretty intense for us even as we read it, but the Greek word actually means this. It's blameless or meeting the highest expectation. So if you were to understand it through that lens, to be blameless. Are we really blameless in our love toward those who might be against us? Uh, do we meet the highest expectation of how we love those who might be against us? Or do we ever withhold love or withhold um, kindness? You ever do that? You ever withhold love, withhold kindness? I remember years ago, we lived in Minnesota. We had uh, some neighbors, which I know we've talked about before, um, who were actually really mean to us as a family. They like yelled at our kids. They were just harsh and kind of bitter people. And so here's one of the things that we did is every single Christmas, we would make just like hundreds and hundreds of Christmas cookies. And then we would make all these kind of Christmas platters, Christmas cookie platters that we'd bring to like all of our, our staff at the church, as well as like all of our neighbors. And so what we would do is we would be like, okay, we got to get, uh, how many platters do we need? Well, we need one for that neighbor and that neighbor and that neighbor and that neighbor and that neighbor. And that neighbor, it was like the, one of those moments where like, are we going to show kindness to them? And I remember us literally having kind of wrestle through this and be like, all right, are we going to, are we going to walk up to the door? Like, what if they spit in our faces? <laughs> you know, are we going to walk up to the door and say, Merry Christmas? Are we going to say, we just want to just bring this gift to you today? And, and literally, I remember year after year, we kind of wrestled through it and we would, and every year we did. We're like, we're going to show kindness and love to those people in spite of the fact that they might be very much against us. Why would we do that? Well, because that's what Jesus calls us to. He's calling our love and our kindness to the highest standard. And now here's why it matters. Think about it in today's culture. Do people speak kindly about those that they disagree with or those that they're against? No. The, those people become the enemy and the enemy must be defeated, right? Because they're wrong. In culture today, we walk this really fine line of fighting for what we believe is right or even righteous and loving our enemies or those that we disagree with. Why is radical grace, radical love uh, becoming the new bar that's set for us versus bringing justice, rightness, fairness to a specific situation? Here's why. And maybe uh, a question will actually reveal the why better. Here's the question. Which is more important? Fighting for what we believe is right or loving those we believe are wrong. 
really quiet. <laughs> Which is more important? See, if, if you believe that fighting for what you believe is right is more important, you'll probably slide down the slippery slope of those people that you believe are wrong becoming your enemies. If you think loving those that you believe is, are wrong, if you believe that's more important, guess what? You might lose the position you're fighting for. And that's, that's kind of the trade-off here. If, if you go, this one's more important, fighting for what I believe is right, you, you'll probably lose the very people that you're against. Where if you love the people that you're against, yeah, you might lose the position that you're fighting for, but you might save them in the process. And so what's more important, the position that's right or the person that's wrong? I know it's really quiet, but it shouldn't be actually quiet. It shouldn't be a hard question, but it is. Because we feel like, no, I, I, I got to get, it's got to be just, it's got to be fair, it's got to be right, I got to fight for that. And yet Jesus at the end, his kind of drop mic moment is all about, no, pray for those who persecute you, love your enemies, and that's kind of the number one thing that he elevates above everything else. I remember this years ago, we were in Minnesota, we had, uh, at my church, we had this really big outreach event that we were doing. We had thousands of people who were showing up that day. It was going to be a really cool event. And I had two staff members at the beginning of the day, they started disagreeing about how to execute some aspect of, of the day, of what was happening. And these two guys, they got so worked up, they got so fired up, they're literally name calling and cussing each other out I couldn't believe it I walked past these guys and they're yelling at one another and I'm like we're about to open these doors to show people Jesus's love I'm like this is the worst display of love ever I like grabbed these two guys I dragged them into an office I, I just like threw them in a corner I was like and one was my boss and I was like I was like, you guys cannot behave this way. I said, I understand you're both fighting for what you believe is right, but you've lost sight of who this is about, not what is happening. You focus so much on the what, you've lost sight of the who. And the who is the big why. That's like why we do all this. It's to ultimately love people like Jesus loved them so that they can see a display of love that's so unique and so like mind-blowing that would actually direct them into a relationship with him. The cross, just think about the cross. The cross is the ultimate model. Jesus, while hanging on the cross, he could have brought justice, but instead he focuses on saving the very people who are killing him. Like, like think about this. This is Matthew chapter 26, verse 53. At Jesus' arrest, okay, they're coming to arrest him, and all, this is like Peter pulls out his sword, chops off a guy's ear, that type of thing, and, and Jesus is like, chill out, Peter. He says this, do you not think that I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Uh, legions, I mean, that's thousands and thousands. So he's basically going, do you not think that I can actually defend myself? Do you not think that I can bring justice in this unjust moment? AKA, can I not bring justice? And he's like, yeah, I could. However, I'm going to set aside my need to bring justice for the more important thing, which is my need to bring love to the world, to the very people who are going to hang me on a cross and those who are going to kill me. For you and I, do we love people so we can win them to Jesus, to win them to a Savior who loved radically? 
He loved us when we didn't love him. What can happen is we can experience things in life where people just have treated us unfairly, we're wounded, uh, that we get to a place, and this is a dangerous place where honestly you look at someone who has treated you unfairly and you go, I could care less if they ever find their way to God. And Jesus is just kind of leaning right into this reality and going, no, not, not with us. In fact, he, I love his statement. This is how you're going to know who the children of God are. It's the ones who love how Jesus loved, even as he's getting ready to head to the cross. Radical love and grace and kindness. It's all about pointing people to a God who shows radical love, grace, and kindness to each of us. Maybe probably the best, this, this whole thing could really be summarized by this one short verse in 1 John 4. We love because he first loved us. That's why we love people. Okay, so now, so now just the question, question, question. Does our mandate to love overrule our instincts to bring justice? Our own justice, maybe. Who's, who's mistreated you in life? Where, where have things been unfair, unjust? Have you withheld love? Are you aware that, here's the crazy thing, Jesus is not on the other side of the planet hanging on a cross to demonstrate God's love. You want to know where people will see Christ-like love? It's in us. And sometimes the only places we'll, where that will be seen is in the greatest moments of injustice in our lives. That, that I know, you're like, I, I, hate in, I hate injustice happening. I hate being in the middle of it. But you being in the middle of injustice might be the greatest display of the cross ever for humanity to see. And so when things seem like they're unfair, I want, I want all of us, including myself, to just go, okay, when it seems like it's unfair, can I model and display what Jesus elevates here, which is radical love and grace and kindness? It says this is the most important thing because the what, which is bringing justice, is not important as the who that ultimately we want to lead to Christ. Why don't we stand here and let me close this here in prayer. I just want to set us up to do a little bit of business because right now, I imagine if I were to say who has treated you unfairly, who has brought injustice into your life, who's ripped you off, who is your enemy, who's against you, Who's spoken badly? You probably all have someone. So let's just bow our heads right now and say, God, maybe we can do this. Can we trust God to be the one who will bring ultimate justice into that situation? Maybe it's as simple as just a simple prayer of going, God, I don't have to be the one to right that wrong. I don't have to be the one to bring justice to this unjust situation. I can surrender it to you and trust that you can bring a justice that I don't even understand. And then maybe it's just a follow-up to say, who in this equation do I need to actually love like you? Like you, the, the night that you're heading to the cross where it just seems completely illogical, seems unjust and yet you demonstrate a love because it's ultimately 
you had the end game in mind, which was the people, the very people who were crucifying you, you were concerned about their lives, their souls. Lord, there might be some people in our life that we just need to love who have been so unlovely to us, who have been so difficult. Lord, help us just to just get a picture, even right now in our minds, of what that looks like to love like you. Not to just be a doormat, but that it's really purposeful loving. Say, I just wanted them to get a glimpse of the love that Jesus has shown to me. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If we can pray for you today, anything that you're dealing with, we've got prayer partners right down here along the front. They're available online. If you want to give, you can give in the boxes in the back or online. Be blessed. We'll see you guys next week for the GOAT. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. If you'd like to partner with Lakeland in helping people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and commit their lives to the mission of Jesus, you can contribute to the mission by visiting lakeland.church forward slash give.